Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. Let's get right to today's episode. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest, Bradley Roberson. Bradley serves as superintendent of Oxford School District in Oxford, Mississippi. He stepped into the role in March 2021. Over the last 20 years, he's served in the school district as a mathematics teacher, coach, assistant principal, principal, assistant, superintendent, and director of curriculum. He believes that all children can learn at high levels, provided the necessary time to do so. He believes learning must be the constant for all kids while providing the needed time and supports for students to be successful. Oxford has partnered with Studer Education since August of 2021 with a focus on developing a district scorecard and applying a continuous improvement process. Bradley and his team are laser focused on using improvement systems to improve learning, and he believes student success doesn't have to be left to chance. Bradley has led his district through a full implementation of evidence-based leadership and is beginning to refine these systems down to the classroom. It's with great pleasure today that I welcome Bradley to our show. Thank you. Excited to be here, Janet. Hey, I'm going to start with continuous improvement, and I know that You've done a lot of work with Tim and, and others in, in your district, and that, that's a passion of yours in terms of a focus. So can you just talk a little bit about how this became important to you as you begin to build your leadership and your team? Sure. It was my first year as the assistant superintendent, the Oxford School District. Janet, we were actually named the number one school district in the state of Mississippi. Okay, so it was exciting news. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we had some textbook companies that wanted to have some conversations with us about how we got the results that we were getting in the Oxford School District. So they came in and did a presentation with us. And after the presentation, uh, the gentleman asked myself and the superintendent, so how did you get those results? <laughs> and the superintendent and I looked at each other, right? The two highest ranked officials in the district, and we didn't have an answer. The only thing that we had was we have good teachers and students, I guess. And that's all we had, right? Yeah. Um, and honestly, it was kind of embarrassing not to know how we were getting the results that we were getting. So at that point, I made the determination if I ever became superintendent of the school district, uh, then I would most certainly understand why uh, things were going well, why things weren't going well, why students were performing well or not. So that that's just kind of a backstory of, of how continuous improvement became important to me. And then yeah, that it. I got involved with some work with Carnegie. Mm -hmm. uh, the partnership with the University of Mississippi called ILEAD, uh, and that was back in 2018 uh, when I was still the assistant superintendent, and that was my introduction uh, to continuous improvement work. Got it. Okay, great, great, Bradley. I'm not sure I realized that. So um, that's that's a neat connection, and that's how you know we're we've been connected and in, in our work as well. So glad we got a chance to kind of loop around. But you know, I love what you just said about continuous improvement, because one thing that we found over the years is we may be able to hit our goals, but to sustain those over time and know how to sustain those and continue to get better and better and better, you have to do what you said. You have to know what's working, why it's working and what's not working and why not, <laughs> you know, in order for that to continue to accelerate and sustain itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, again, we had no idea uh, of, of why that was taking place. So, but, you know, luckily now we're in a, not luckily, it's not luck, right? Contingency no, improvements, not, <laughs> it's not luck at all. Yeah. Um, we're in a much better place of having understandings now because we have intentional systems uh, across the Oxford School District. We're moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about those intentional systems. So, you know, as I talked to your coach, Tim Rostick, um, he, you know, he tells us the focus of your work is student achievement, not being left to chance, which is exactly what you're talking about. So talk a little bit, Bradley, about how do you build those, um, the systems that are intentional? Yeah, when I think of continuous improvement, and I read this recently, uh, continuous improvement really starts with the truth, followed by trust, and then discipline. Mm. Uh, That's kind of how I phrase this idea of continuous improvement uh, to my staff. And when you start talking about that, Uh, The truth, you have to tell the truth, meaning you have to know exactly why you're getting the results that you're getting, right? You have to understand the systems that are working or not working inside of of your organization. And and there's there's some hard truths in that, in understanding why the system is not performing as well uh, as you would like, or as, as we say, why the results that you're getting do not align to your aspirations, right? So it's the truth. You gotta be real with yourself um, first step. Second step is trust. You have to build an organization around trust that having difficult conversations uh, is part of the culture and it's accepted uh, because it is needed in order to improve. And then discipline. And Janet, I know you know this, your background in continuous improvement as well. You have to be disciplined um, with the processes that you're putting in place, implementing them with fidelity, testing them on short cycles, Uh, to find out if they're working or not. And then the three A's, being able to adapt, being able to abandon uh, or to adopt if something is working well inside your system. So I kind of sum it up in those three words, truth, trust, and discipline. Yeah. And I love the way you, you know, built the interconnections of the work into those, into those three words. And, you know, Bradley, as you were talking, um, you know, you've heard us kind of say time again, people are first, right? I mean, you got to get your people we can have all the the biggest aspirations in the world, set the right goals, build the right systems. But if our people aren't coming <laughs> with us, you know, it, 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 we don't get there. And so, right. you know, I know, um, I know, and that's one lesson I've had to, I'm a driver, probably a lot like you are. So I've had to really learn that through these decades of leadership, how, how significant that is. And, um, you know, that's one reason why we focus on culture and employee engagement and experience. And I know you've moved, you, your employee engagement scores have in, improved and, and you've worked on that. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that's contributed to your success as well? Yes. You know, there's a couple of things, Danny, as you were saying that that I thought about. The first one was it made me think of the the leadership framework. And in the Oxford School District, uh, you could basically take that leadership framework and flip it on its head. Uh, We were all about accelerators. Right. And we didn't spend a lot of time in leadership development and developing the always behaviors that are important in establishing a culture that leads to improvement. Uh, so, so that would be the first thing. I think we had to recognize uh, in this idea of building systems um, to where employees were more engaged, that we had to spend more time with employees, spend more time developing leaders, spend more time building culture through always behaviors that are important to success. And then how do you spend more time? Well, that leads directly to uh, a strategy that I learned through Tim 
uh, in student, and that's rounding. Mm-hmm. Rounding is a part of the culture in the Oxford School District now. I round with my six cabinet members. My six cabinet members and chief officers round with their directors. Uh, I round and the assistant superintendent rounds with all principals. And then all principals round with uh, their teachers at least once a quarter. And we have found that to be incredibly effective uh, in increasing engagement throughout our system. Yeah, I love, you know, it's, it's, uh, I say this all the time, Bradley, it's one of, that is probably one of the the tactics that's going to get the most. I mean, if you, like, if people say, you know, if I were doing one thing, what would it be? I'm like, you got to do lead around it because you're going to get, you, you know, it's, and, and it helps you through change. It helps you to build those relationships, help to build the trust piece. And, um, you know, so, so I just really appreciate what you've said, you very specifically cascaded that rounding, and I'm sure you hold people accountable to that in a positive way. You know, it's not just I'm going to, it's not compliance driven, it's we're learning from, my guess is just we're learning from what we hear, and we're acting on on the information that we hear, and we're building those into our improvement cycles. That would be my guess at how you're using that. You know, absolutely, Janet. And, and it's really interesting when we first introduced this idea of rounding, there may have been a small element of compliance, but what our staff members have, um, they've come to enjoy the conversation to the level that compliance is now completely out the window. It's all about the learning about each other and about the systems, even yes. to the point now to where we have teachers that are doing it in their classrooms. I love right? it. <laughs> yeah. That's the ultimate cascading of rounding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting teachers to have those conversations with the students inside the classroom. So now, yeah, it's a it's a culture element inside the Oxford School District, one that we've needed for a long time. Uh, and it's certainly having an impact, not just on our engagement, but also student achievement as well. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so let's k- kind of come back to this concept of intentional. That's a theme, you know, Bradley, that you know, I think your your leadership is very intentional. And so how can learning be intentional and just not left to chance, like going back to what you were talking about? Yeah. Well, I, again, this this makes me think about the leadership framework as well. You know, we had a strategic plan in the Oxford School District, Janet, but the strategic plan was really this pie in the sky kind of ideas, right? And action. Uh, we needed something more concrete uh, that held us to this level of improvement. And, and I want to say improvement, not accountability, mm-hmm. but improvement. Those two things are very different, right? Absolutely. When you're talking about measuring for accountability, measuring for improvement, we needed something to help us to measure improvement. And that's where the scorecards have been so incredibly important to us. It's taking the strategic plan, developing the district level scorecard, uh, the departmental level scorecards and our school level scorecards, um, because now we are truly measuring what matters now. And the the, the, the important part about that for our principals, because I was having a scorecard review meeting with a principal, uh, Della Davidson Elementary, a couple of weeks ago. And she admitted, she goes, you know, when we first developed these scorecards, I thought this is just something else to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And she said, uh, then her next phrase, she said, but I can tell you the valuable conversations that I've had around this scorecard has helped reshape and change my school. Wow. That was incredibly powerful, right? Yes. It is is the synergy. The, The scorecard creates the synergy for the organization. 
because you're measuring what matters most to you and your community. Uh, yeah. So it's been incredibly helpful to us. And this brought the intentionality again, yeah. what we're trying to accomplish for our kids. Yeah. And it just, it, it, um, you know, just reminds me of sometimes we talk about the scorecard is more of the, the right, you know, think about the elephant and the writer, the elephant and the concept of the emotional and rational side of the organization. And the scorecarding process is more the rational part of where we spend a lot of our time. But when we use that scorecard, which is what you're talking about, Bradley, when we use that scorecard and engage people in conversations about that, and people are, are a part of those conversations, we then get back into that engagement. People want to contribute to do better, to help the organization get better. And that I think what I hear you say, um, which I've seen and witnessed, you know, th- that scorecard really gives us that platform for great conversation. Right. And, and, and for us, I think another important component of that, Janet, is this idea of improvement versus accountability again. Yes. I love Thinking it. about the scorecard process is this is not a lagging indicator or what we would call a summative or what we would call a, um, in my terms, an autopsy, right? You get to the yeah. end of the game and, you know, you know what happened, right? That's not, that's not the scorecard process. It's literally this cycle of continuous improvement um, that is continuing on throughout the life of the organization. And we've got some great PDSA cycles running right now with some change ideas on our scorecard. Mm-hmm. Uh, some we've already adopted uh, across scale from one school to the next, uh, and some we're testing right now. And I tell my people all the time, it's just as important to figure out through this process and these change ideas of what works, oh, excuse me, of what doesn't work mm-hmm. as it is what works. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and we've, we've come across those things as well that yeah. hopefully we won't do in the future because we figured out those things aren't effective for us and our children. So it's been but incredibly at least valuable. You know. But at least you That's know, right. you, at least you know That's why, right. but back to that first comment that you made, at least you know why it's, what's not working and, and can talk about why, you know, so let's talk a little bit more about the scorecard and it's ca- yeah. the portrait of a graduate on the scorecard and how that's cascaded to the classroom. So can you share a little bit about your steps related to that part of your scorecard? Sure. That That's an interesting topic too, Janet, because we adopted this portrait of a graduate, believe it or not, in 2018. And it has been an absolutely beautiful picture that has hung on the wall in every classroom in the Oxford School District. And nothing has happened with that portrait (laughs) of a graduate um, until this year, right? Uh, But now, like you said, now that it's a part of our scorecard and now we are taking steps to measure uh, our portrait of a graduate skills, um, we have cascaded them or now have a process of cascading them all the way from pre-K all the way through our high school students. And just a little bit about that, we basically... Are introducing one of our attributes in pre-K. We use effective communication in pre-K. And, and then kindergarten, we will introduce another, first grade, another, third grade, uh, sorry, sorry, second grade, they introduce two more. And then third grade, they introduce the last two. We have eight. And then in fourth grade, we start actually collecting evidence inside of what we, what's transio is what our program is called. We start collecting evidence in fourth grade um, of all of our of our students exhibiting those characteristics. So when a, by the time a child graduates from the Oxford School District, he will have evidence from grades fourth grade through 12th grade uh, to show that he or she exhibits the characteristics mm-hmm. of the portrait of a graduate of the Oxford School District. Imagine the power in that mm-hmm. portfolio uh, with college admittance, with employability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have, since I became superintendent, 
we've been very intentional of saying, we're not just going to prepare kids for college. We're going to prepare them for college, career, and life, right? Yes. Uh, which is a next level um, yes. type of education. Um, so it's, it's very important work inside of our district. And we're finally glad to see that it has legs. There's action to the portrait of a graduate now. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, for coming, you know, my most of my work was in higher education. So looking at it from that lens, I would love on uh, looking at your students coming in and to see that evidence of a portrait of a graduate and the way you've described it. Wow. How powerful. Right. Because you really well, get to know, know the students and what they can do and what they're interested in. That's right. And I tell you what really drove the work for us is about 88% of our kids go to college from the Oxford School District. Yeah. But our degree attainment rate is about 56%. Um, so now again, I know that's about a percent higher than the national average, but it's not that. It's the idea that we're sending 88% and only 56% of finishing with a degree after six years. Yeah. Why such a significant gap? Here, yeah. we do not believe it's academic related. We believe yeah. it's our kids aren't resilient. They don't know how to handle a problem the first time it arises, right? Yes. Or, you know, they're not personally responsible, Yeah. Uh, which is why we spend so much time measuring attendance and things like that um, as part of our work as well. So we just think that's the next step in providing yeah. kids with a quality education. Yeah, so good. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what you just alluded to it. You know, as you think about the way that you are building your district to be an excellent and premier district, um, I know you've you are meeting the, you know, looking at what the state has in front of you. But, you know, I also know just from my conversations with Tim that you're really looking at, you know, how do we position ourselves um, at the national level? And how do we really look at learning standards and outcomes in places where our kids are competitive, you know, nationally? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I know, you know, that's probably tricky because you're focused on what the outcomes are in a state and have a board and connecting to that to the to what your national focus is. Can you talk a little bit about how you manage that and what that means to you? Yeah, you, you um, said the correct word, Janet, when you said tricky. <laughs> uh, because it, Honestly, it has been tricky because our school district is typically at the very top of the Mississippi accountability model each year. Yes. In the top four or five um, school districts in the state of Mississippi. But again, we have to realize that in my conversation with the board was that is an excellent outcome, but we have to look further than the high school diploma. And I pushed them to look at data from the National Clearinghouse about the percentage of kids we were sending to college that weren't finishing with a degree. Um, I said, those are the metrics that great districts utilize to mm -hmm. determine success, not just number of kids that are proficient um, on a state assessment. I use the analogy or use the saying that AASA used several years ago and that's, I told our board, our kids are more than a score. Mm -hmm. They have to be more than a score. Um, I had them adopt a resolution that our kids were more than a score. And then we developed uh, a redefining ready metrics all the way down to our elementary schools about what are the metrics that we should be measuring that says an elementary student is ready for middle school not just academically, but also in career field and life field, right? And then what should we be measuring middle school students to say that they are ready for high school? Again, college, career, and life metrics. And then we also have our metrics in place as far as part of our redefining ready that says high school students are ready for, ready for college, career, and life. Mm -hmm. We This is our first year of implementation. I'm so excited 
uh, to be looking at data four, five, six years down the road, because mm-hmm. I really think this is going to make a difference, a greater difference mm-hmm. in that gap that I spoke of a few minutes ago uh, around degree attainment for our kids. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, like I said, I, you know, I get an opportunity to coach um, presidents and executive teams in universities. They're looking at that metric, Bradley. I mean, that's yeah. key, you know, key to their key to their bottom line, really, from enrollment to retention. And how do we how do we make sure that kids are, are moving through? And, and historically in universities, um, you know, we've typically just said, well, that's just the if we stay at the average or about a little bit above the average, then we're doing okay. And now it's like, no, we can't lose this many kids, right? right. That's not acceptable. I mean, we have to really That's rethink, right. we have to really rethink the way we've historically thought because every student that walks into our university, every student that walks into our school district is important. And it's our responsibility to ensure that they achieve the goal and achieve success in life. And, and I love, I love, love, love what you're doing with those measures, um, because at the end of the day, that's gonna; those are the measures that are going to be the most important ones that are going to define our success in this country and education. So keep pushing that because I I think it's I think it's extremely critical. We're because lo- you're really looking at how do we benefit every student that comes into our school and try to provide them with the the greatest experience. Um, and we and and you taking responsibility even beyond when they leave you, you know, to say, hey, we're responsible for their continued path. Um, There are not many people doing that, Bradley, not many people, right? So uh, thank you for doing that. Hey, I appreciate that encouragement because that's, you know, honestly, that has been a struggle because as you know, continuous improvements about changing mindsets and behaviors. And we're so accustomed to this one model of what improvement looks like or what accountability looks like, really, when you're talking about state accountability models. And we tend to, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess shy away from mm-hmm. pushing beyond, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but our kids deserve that, as you said, Janet. Yeah. Uh, and it's there's, there's plenty of evidence to say that, that, that says that our state accountability models themselves standalone are not true metrics of success outside of, of high school. Right. So we have to do more. We have to push on. Yeah, we do. And, um, you know, as we close today, I'll just, one of the conversations that I've started that we started to have is how do we have these types of conversations and bring K-12 and universities together and have those conversations together. That's been my, in the last probably eight months, that's been what's at the forefront of my mind is how significant that's gonna be. So um, again, cool. just appreciate what you're doing there to, to to take on the challenge, but I want you a part of that conversation. Well, it is, Janet, that is so strange that you said that. Uh, I think that we do have an opportunity here because, um, the Oxford School District and the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. yeah. we have a very strong partnership. Dean Rock, who's the dean of the School of Education, and I are very close. And mm-hmm. we are actually launching a national center um, of partnerships between school districts and universities. It's coming out of that work from Carnegie, but we're taking that over um, okay. as a national center here yes. in the school district and UM partnerships to get to have those conversations around problems of practice that are plaguing school systems across the country. Right. I love it. Uh, so it's very yeah. interesting that you say that we, I would love to have more conversation about that and yeah. how we can partner to make that work even better. Yeah, me too. And uh, anything I can do to, you know, be helpful or connected to that, you know, just uh, love to love to do that, Bradley. I think, um, 
it needs if it, it for anyone that has interest in it where can we start that conversation i think it's where we're where we're at so i um thank you again thank you for today and for the conversation and the the work that you're doing and hey pushing the envelope a little bit because i think that's always important uh, thank you janet i appreciate the opportunity to share a story i think you can see the great work that bradley has done in such a short period of time he is a highly driven and focused leader and uses continuous improvement and improvement in, in our evidence-based leadership work uh, to really drive success in his district. I just really appreciate the, the work that he is doing with his team and just the relentless focus on ensuring that the students in his district are achieving not only in his district, but well beyond to be successful citizens and productive individuals in the workforce. And you know what, happy in what they are able to accomplish in life. Very, very excited for what's ahead with Bradley's leadership in that school district and beyond. So thanks again, Bradley, for being with us. And I thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Performance. As always, if you would share the episode with a friend or a colleague you think this episode might be meaningful to, we'd love to connect with you on social media. I always love to hear from you and give us ideas on things that are most meaningful to you. To get the scoop on upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Accelerate Your Performance Instagram, and you can also connect with us on other social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, to get a peek of our upcoming episodes and, and highlights. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.